All right, everybody, welcome back. It is the third final hour, the 5 o'clock hour of the Pat Miller Program on this Tuesday. Remember, we were here yesterday. We're here today. We're here tomorrow. We will not be here Thursday because it's Thanksgiving Day. We will, however, be out at the Coliseum uh, for the uh, Bob Chase Memorial Game, which they do every Thanksgiving, and it is the Comets' official kickoff for all things Penny Pitch, and we'll all be out there, so we hope you'll be there. Somebody who will not be there, but not for lack of wanting to be, uh, because he has to stay in Washington, D.C., is our guest, Philip Wegman. Philip, good afternoon to you, my friend. Good afternoon, Pat. One of these days, I do need to get to the uh, Penny Pinch events. You've been doing that how long now? Uh, Well, we are, well, the station's in its 76th year. I started in the year 2000. So this is this is my 23rd year of uh, being part of Penny Pitch. Uh, for our program, this particular program, uh, this is now our 13th year. That's fantastic. Yep, it's pretty cool. And Penny Pitch, of course, you know, started by, you know, um, uh, everybody way back in the day, um, you know, with uh, all the great, you know, the legends of WoWo. Um, it really is an amazing thing, an amazing program, and we've helped so many people in so many different areas, we do. We really do need to get you back here, because I, I've got to. I started thinking, you know, like when we do the the lighting of the Christmas tree. Do you know how much more money we could have raised if we would have just had you down there on the square there on Broadway next to the tree with a dunk tank? I mean, it would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you didn't have me until you said dunk tank. Yeah, see. <laughs> They, they said something about like that last week to me, and I said, first of all, um, you don't have a tank large enough because I would displace all of it if I hit the water. And secondly, nobody wants to see me as an ice cube, which is what would have happened. A couple of articles I saw that you had out over the last few days. Of course, Philip is with Real Clear Politics, and you can find him if you go to realclearpolitics.com. Click on Writers and scroll down and look for Philip Wegman, and you can enjoy his. Uh, a couple of guys I want to talk about here. Uh, from different uh, perspectives, really of the same thing, polling. The president, as you said in your opening comment, he either doesn't know about the poll that shows he's trailing Donald Trump in mock matchups across the battleground states, or he is like the biggest overall optimist on the planet who's just choosing not to believe which one it is. Which one do you think it is? I can't decide, Pat. That's the thing. To set the table here— Not uh, too long ago, the New York Times and Siena College came out with a poll. And what was interesting about this is that it showed President Biden trailing in five of the six swing states. Right now, there's a lot of national polling, which is helpful, but it gives you a, a general picture. When you drill down into some of the state polling, though, it gives you a better sense of how folks would actually vote tomorrow in places where it would matter the most. And that New York Times Siena College poll showed him trailing former President Trump. And, and Biden was asked about this on his way to uh, Marine One uh, as he was walking out of the White House. Peter Ducey asked him about these polls showing that he was down. And the president responded, you only focus on the bad polls. Um, eight out of ten polls show me ahead of Trump in those places. OK, how can that be? I seriously, I'm, I'm not trying to be nasty to the president or anything. How can that be when you and I both know you can't find eight polls where he leads Trump? And and that's that's the um, so nationally it's more of a toss up. It's more of within the margin of error. But specifically within these swing states, 
that 2024 is going to come down to. And again, a lot can change between now and November, um, all of the usual caveats. But um, the polling uh, doesn't seem to support the president's optimistic view. So I asked the White House. They referred me to the Biden campaign. And the Biden campaign came back with four polls of three swing states. And uh, they pointed to um, Michigan and South Carolina. And the thing is, it just doesn't support the optimism that the president said publicly. So the the question remains, uh, is he just hopelessly optimistic or has he not seen these polls? And uh, right now, that's um, that's a subject of debate. Knowing what you know. okay, and and this this is really crystal ball stuff here. Um, But if we get to next year let's say early to mid-summer, and the numbers for the president in states that matter are not coming around, aren't some people in and around the president probably going to start jumping ship? There's already a, you know, uh, five o'clock fire alarm going off in Democratic circles uh, among particularly Obama administration uh, alums. You've got guys like David Axelrod saying that the president needs to turn around uh, his operation, that perhaps, um, you know, re-election is out of his grasp. You have a, a number of Democratic operatives who are saying, look, if Biden is on the ticket, we're going to lose everything. And the response from um, the Biden campaign and also from the president himself is basically, yeah, I heard that. I heard all of that already. And to put you in um, President Biden's mindset, remember, you had Barack Obama telling him, don't run in 2016. So he steps aside and lets Hillary Clinton right. be the front runner. Right. Obama tells him in 2020, uh, you know, you don't have to do this, Joe. And there's all of this reporting, this fear that Biden would humiliate himself on, on the campaign trail, that it would be a big flop. And what does Biden do? He turns around and he runs a campaign. Of course, it was during COVID, but he runs a campaign that is diametrically opposed to what uh, Hillary Clinton did in 2016. He goes to Pennsylvania, to Michigan, uh, to Wisconsin, and he does what, what you know the Democratic establishment said he couldn't do. He beats Trump. And so in his mindset right now, he, he's been written off as dead so many times then, of course, he's not going to listen to these folks, and he's probably not even going to l- listen uh, to the polls, because what does he have in common with uh, with Trump? Neither of these guys uh, trust pollsters as far as they can throw them. You know, the thing I mentioned, I think, in the first hour or the or at least the second half hour of today's program, the president yesterday uh, had a birthday mm-hmm. and and turned 81. Okay, a year from now. When we're at the general election, he'll be 82. Should he be elected, he will be 86 before that term ends. Is there really anybody who can run to a microphone over the course of the next year? Let's put Jolton Joe back in there. He still has so much fire. Don't worry that he's got to use the short steps to get on the airplane. Don't worry about that. But he's got enough fire in him. He's going to see this through. He'll be as great at 86 as he is at 81. I think that's a pretty hard sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we can't discount how difficult of a job this is. Um, just, uh, you know, professionally, obviously, he has the weight of the United States on his shoulders, but he also um, is 
looking after his own family at the same time. Um, if you recall those pictures of former President Obama, a guy who was in the, um, you know, the, the peak of his life, yep. he came in much younger than he went out looking. I mean, the, the gray hairs developed and you could see, um, you know, the, the worry lines. I think that age is certainly part of the consideration. And we're going to see how the Biden campaign deals with it, because in 2020, they could run a basement campaign. Um, you know, if you mean that uh, der- derisively or if you mean that positively, that, that's just a fact. That's what it was. He was not out and about as much as traditional candidates would be. And so now in 2024, the, the pandemic's in the rearview mirror. Are we going to see Biden at the fish fry, at the pancake flip? Is he going to be working the rope lines? Probably not as much. And beyond that, um, it's an open question as to whether or not he would debate the Republican nominee. Yep. And and frankly, the, the catch-all answer that uh, Democrats have to this, not not, you know, behind the podium or on cable news, but the the catch-all answer uh, undergirding why they are unlikely to um, abandon Biden is they know that he's done the one thing that no Democrat has been able to do, and that's beat Trump. And he's arguing the enemy is at the gates. I beat him once. I can beat him again. Yeah. I, and I just don't know because I don't know. Because oh, here, here, look, here's what happened in the last election. This is just me. You may agree with me. You may not. Um, in the In the last election, what happened is some people, primarily those on the left, primarily the progressives, they said, we've survived one term with Trump. We can't go through another one. Will those same people be ready to say, I think one more term with Biden is the right answer? I'm not sure they're ready to do that. We might see some folks sit on the fence, particularly donors. We might see uh, folks go through the motions. But um, if you have doubts about Biden, in the Democratic mindset, you should have no doubts about their absolute uh, fear and loathing uh, of Donald Trump. And I think that that will be the motivating factor here that could potentially get those folks off of the sidelines. But look, we can't sugarcoat any of this. Uh, Biden is the oldest president we have ever had. And he's the oldest president uh, every day he walks into the Oval Office. Yep. Right? As, as of right now. Yeah. Age doesn't change. Um, it's linear and moves forward. Uh, but, you know, it's it's going to be a question. And let's not think for a moment that, um, you know, Trump is entirely immune from this. Certainly he's more vivacious and, um, you know, the former president uh, mixes it up quite a bit uh, himself. But, you know, um, he seems quite young. When compared to Biden, right. uh, not necessarily when compared to others. Well, let, let's jump to the other side. Let's go to the Republican side. Um, not at the most recent Republican dinner that we had here in the county, but at the one before, Chris Christie was here. Uh, and he put out a lot of good patriotic thoughts and appealing to everybody. And it was good and positive. And about halfway through his speech, he turned it into what he is doing now on the campaign trail, which is basically making um, uh, Donald Trump, you know, the next successor to Satan in hell or something. And and he's just painting him in such a horrible, um, just just a horrible candidate, a horrible person and all of that. Well, Chris Christie now is saying, 
that the polls about him right now are not accurate either. His aides are saying and he is saying that he has received the support from 80,000 donors. Uh, He's polling at or above 6%. So he's also going to be in on the next debate stage. I don't know that that's actually been verified. Yeah, and this is one of those things that piques my interest. The former New Jersey governor, um, he he came out and immediately said, I've qualified for the fourth debate. That's something that will influence the plans of uh, Governor DeSantis, of Ambassador Haley. If he stays in the race and he stays on the debate stage, um, he's going to have to be dealt with. The thing is, his campaign uh, pointed to two polls, and I dug a little bit deeper into both of those. Um, And as it turns out, uh, those two national polls, which show him above 6%, one of them was conducted uh, by a pollster who is associated with the DeSantis campaign. uh, And another uh, of those polls was conducted um, before the cutoff date. And so according to RNC rules, neither of those uh, are likely to meet the requirements to get him on the debate stage. And why, you know, why is this? rigmarole significant. It's significant because as much as the primary is about winning over the hearts and minds of the electorate, in order to uh, be able to do that, you have to win over the hearts and minds of of donors, of people who are willing to to write you a check so that you can rent the plane, so that you can um, rent the event space and make your speech, so that you can send out the emails um, and, and the flyers. And it's significant because it's sort of zero sum in a way, because uh, every dollar that candidate X gets, it's a dollar that candidate Y doesn't have access to. Yeah. And so all of this is just, you know, these Republicans are eating themselves in an attempt to, you know, get a chance to take on Donald Trump. And once again, they're pulling votes and they're pulling dollars away from one another. And uh, unless the field winnows pretty significantly pretty soon, uh, the window for a meaningful challenge of Donald Trump is um, it's closing quickly. Uh, when you look at DeSantis, when you look at Nikki Haley, when you look at uh, Chris Christie, have you seen numbers that tell you how each of them may or may not be polling in Iowa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, right now it, it's undisputed. Uh, Donald Trump is, is the front runner nationally and the front runner in Iowa. This is concerning for DeSantis because he has uh, adopted the Ted Cruz strategy, which is to push your chips in on Iowa. He has made that state um, something of an Alamo for him uh, because if he doesn't pick up momentum in Iowa, uh, he doesn't have a built-in constituency in, in New Hampshire like Christie does or in South Carolina like um, like Haley does. And right now, uh, DeSantis is bleeding. DeSantis is the one who you know the other competitors are circling right now um, because they want to move on. They want to say, you used to be a front runner, not anymore. Yeah, and I think that's probably a lot of what's going on. Philip, i got to get out of here. Hey, listen, best of luck to you. Have a fabulous Thanksgiving there in the nation's capital. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, if nothing else, I know where you can go and get a terrific Thanksgiving Day pot pie, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but you can go Hold there. But, for me. <laughs> but listen, um, we'll go, when you come back to town next, let me know whether whether it's in the next month or at Christmas or something. 
you and I need to go out to dinner, come back to the house, and you need to meet the lovely Mrs. Miller and all that stuff. Uh, but we uh, we need to get together. Listen, I appreciate you and your input on the program more than you know, uh, and, and I hope you do know it. Uh, but for your time today, my good friend, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Podcasts by Federated Media.